Okay, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. We should invoke God and ask for his blessing. Like I say, high ground. I really don't want to Charlie Brown it. Let's, let's ask God for his, uh, his blessing. Father, you've uh, no doubt you've uh, overheard. You, uh, you know uh, what we're, where we are in Scripture. You know what uh, my um, feeble attempts will look like. So, Father, I pray that you'd bless beyond my ability to communicate in such a way that you would take your word by the Holy Spirit of God and, and communicate to the, the, the place in our well, deep calls on the deep, Lord, that deep place in our spirit where only you can reach, where only you can access, Father. I pray that you'd have a word for and a challenge for each and every one of us here this morning. To your honor and glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, the writer of Hebrews, who I always thought was the Apostle Paul, and we're not exactly sure of that, but whether you believe it or don't, you're in good company. There are fine Christians who believe both ways, and I'm not going to further the, the debate here. But the writer here, he's been talking about to, to Christian Hebrew, Hebrew Christians, I should say, who have tempted to go back into Judaism. You know what that's like. You're saying, well, I wasn't, uh, I didn't come out of Judaism. You came out of the world. You came out of your own Egypt, no doubt. And your people, your, your family, your friends are like, What's this all about? And they, no doubt, have, have given you grief and vexed you and said, you know, come on back, you know. And, and there's always that place, that crossroads place where we think, you yeah, know, Egypt wasn't that bad. You know, we had the garlic, the onions, the leeks, you know. And, and there's always that temptation, that siren call calling you back. And the right here says, don't do it. It's a trap. And he shows why. You can't return. Once you've, once you've come out of that, there's no going back. There's no pretending. You, you can't have a lobotomy. You can't unknow what you know about Jesus Christ. And he, and he, and he presents Scripture in such a way. Because, you know, I mean, think of the argument. Hey, come on back. We have a temple. Where's your temple? We have a high priest. Where's your high priest? We're celebrating all the Jewish feasts. Where's your, where's your feast? What are you celebrating? It's kind of a compelling argument until the writer says, temple? We don't go to a temple. We are the temple. A high priest, you've got a high priest that's got to be replaced every time he dies. A high priest lives forever. He's after the order of Melchizedek, and, he, and he, you, you remember all that. And he, he makes a very compelling argument. And the whole time he's going someplace, he's going to where I believe he's arrived, chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Faith. Uh, how many of you know Hebrews 11 pretty good, well-traveled ground in your thinking. Okay, some of you don't know that. Okay, that's a, or you didn't raise your hand because you're a guy and guys don't raise their hand all the time. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Women always raise their hand when I ask questions. Guys are like, yeah, whatever, I'm not raising my hand. It's a, I, I don't know, right? Now, here we are. So Hebrews chapter 11. Listen, Christianity looks like something. It's a faith walk. Now, when I say faith, a lot of people, you know, would take that and criticize, oh, like faith, like I committed intellectual suicide. I'm not a scientist. I'm a, I'm a faith person. And those things are at war one with the other. Piffle. That's ridiculous on the face of it. I am a science. I'm a theologian. Well, self-taught theologian. The king of sciences. 
I mean, what are you studying out there that's so important? Well, I'm studying evolution. You're studying a fairy tale. I'm studying about the God who actually exists. I've chosen the king of all sciences. And I have found, I'm not a rube. I mean, you guys, you know, you've been around long enough to know. I, I, I'm a thinking man. I, I, I understand science. I understand what it purports to understand. And where you have true, tr- real science, true truth, and we have biblical truth, they coincide beautifully. Now, when you have a fairy tale like evolution, well, that doesn't fit it. That doesn't dovetail nicely into, into the Bible because it's made up of whole cloth. Faith isn't unreasonable, and you're going to need it. To, these are famous people to us and in the Bible, and I think they're famous in heaven. They ain't famous like God's famous. They ain't famous like Jesus Christ is famous. Listen, in heaven there's only one star. But I think these people are known in heaven. I think you'll be known also. <clears throat> how, you, how, is that, how does that work? Faith. Faith is the coin of the realm for now and for eternity. There's never a time you're not going to need faith. Well, do I need facts? Do I need science? Do I need... I don't, not, I'm not against those things, but I, but I have told you, and I, and I believe it, and I uh, aver it and proclaim it to be so. Faith and facts are not mutually exclusive. To have faith is to believe the truth. True truth. I, you say, why do you have to put an adjective in front of truth? You use truth like a noun, but then you say true truth like you have to... Because we have people running around the landscape. Well, that's your truth. I can't say... I can't call them an idiot. That wouldn't be Christian. It's silly, isn't it? Uh, um, I have my truth, and because... Th- th- does anyone like fly an airplane? Your true, true, that's your truth? Does anyone perform a, a surgery? Well, that's your truth. Does anyone do sums, <laughs> balance a checkbook? Uh, well, that's your truth. In every facet of life, we understand this truth and this error, and then we get into theology, and all of a sudden, all bets are off. Wait, what? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, Let's just stop right here. It's the substance. It's substantial. What's your life built on? Well, I, I believe that, uh, you know, four and a half billion years ago, there was nothing. Then it exploded. Tell me more of this so-called science, please. I'm, I'm enthralled. Fact, factor in the sarcasm. What? What is that? Your, your, your faith, your, 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 your feet are firmly in midair. Uh, you know, I, I think about this all the time, uh, you know, and I have these debates. and talk with people, they believe in evolution. How come, if evolution is right, how come rape is wrong? We all know that rape is wrong. We have laws against it. And even people who aren't moral say that rape is wrong. Why is it? If you're just an, an accident, a cosmic, you're well-developed pond scum, and the, 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 the whole thing is to pass on your genetic information to the next generation, why is rape wrong? See, you don't live like you say you do. Because you know it's wrong. 
in your heart of hearts. Even the rapist knows it's wrong. Have you thought this all out? But us, no, 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 we're, uh, my feet are firmly uh, on the ground. I have substance, sub, under, stance, what you stand on. Faith is substantial. It's substance. It's you can rule your whole life by it. You can go by what, what is written. Now, what, what, we'll, we'll get to the definition of what, what it is and how we come by it and things like that as we go along. But I want you to understand it's substantial. It's not immaterial. It's not wishful thinking. You say, well, it's a, some things hoped for. You see, it may happen, it may not. No, that's not what the Bible means when it says hope. It never means that. We've, we've discussed this before. Hope is something that hasn't happened yet, but you, it's certain that it's going to happen scripturally because God said so. What's the blessed hope that Jesus Christ is going to return, take his bride out of the earth? That's, is that maybe going to happen? Maybe not. Uh, and I hope so. I hope so. Well, I hope it's going to happen, but it's certainly going to happen. Hope, scripturally, just means it hasn't happened yet. We have hope in it. We don't have, it just, it just it hasn't materialized yet. That's all. Uh, when we talk about hope in God, it, it's not like maybe, maybe not. You've got to remember his promises are yea and amen. He says, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm, you know, I, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, in me you have life. I mean, these things are, they're, they're yay and amen. They're not maybe. Have we uh, experienced them? Well, eternal life, yes. Not to a tenth degree. <laughs> You'll experience that eternally. But we have eternal life now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. Well, if you see it, it's sight. I mean, you, there's, there's things here, and we'll see it. Like God says, hey, this, and you say, okay, I have to agree with you, even though I don't see it. Say, well, that's contrary to human nature. Hello. <laughs> the whole faith walk is contrary to human nature. I'll agree with that. Because we go by sight. And Scripture says, why would you do that? What you see isn't necessarily what is. Uh, People say seeing is believing. Really? Have you watched the news? Seeing is believing. No, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What true truth is, what God says it is. What God, but you know, again, like I, I don't want to pick on evolution, but I'm going to pick on evolution. Four and a half billion years ago, nothing exploded. God says, I was there. I spoke it into existence. Let me tell you what happened. The only one who was there gives us credible evidence. And by the way, the more and more you know about, like, especially particle theory and physics, uh, what's, what's, what's the new uh, word for uh, uh, quantum? Quantum mechanics. Uh, the more and more you know about cutting-edge science, the more you think Scripture's got it right all along. It's had it right all along. Um, you know, we used to believe in a solid-state universe. I mean, the Big Bang, at least, it, I'll give it this much, at least it, it says that it started at some point. Before that, we believed that the universe always was. <laughs> How silly was that? We didn't know any better. Our science was kind of juvenile. We just, just saw Scripture, we said in the beginning, oh, there was a beginning? Yeah, well, what happened? God said, light be, and light was. How, how easy is that to... And by the way, I, no, I understand there's a little bit of a... I understand... There's a little bit of a, you have to get over that. You have to figure that, like, okay, it's true, even though I can't get my mind around it all the way. I don't understand how things are spoken into existence. I, I mean, I don't. You want to show me the, the equation for that? I'd be interested in looking at it. I don't know how that 
But God who was there said, it was so. And you've got to believe something. This seems to me to be reasonable, by the way. It's the evidence of things that by, uh, not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By faith. Is there any other way to obtain a good report? Not in heaven. It, I tell you, it's the coin of the realm. God likes to be believed. Jesus, when he chides his apostles, his disciples, almost on every occasion, it's for their lack of faith. And if he has a, a word to say about us, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not giving you an okay for sinning. I'm Calvary Chapel pastor, I don't do that. Go ahead, sin, it's fine. I, I, I'm not doing that, okay? But I understand sin. I certainly do. But unbelief is a different animal altogether. And, and that's, that's what we're, we're looking at now. Okay, through faith we understand the worlds are framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. We've already talked about that. God spoke into existence. He didn't use materials to put it together. See, the Big Bang said there was nothing, and then it exploded. And we say, where did copper come from, or gold, or helium? Well, it exploded. Explosions cause things to be? But Scripture clearly tells us God made things that are not, that are out of things that are not. He spoke the world into existence from nothing. Say, that's a hard one to believe. Hey, uh, I understand that. I, I do understand that. Once you accept that, the rest of Scripture is easy. I mean, it really is. It's, it's one of the hardest things. But we understand it. How do we understand it? By faith. It's a faith thing. Things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Now, he's going to give us examples of people of faith. And they each have something to say. They, these aren't arbitrarily like, uh, let's see, uh, 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 oh, Abel. Abel's a good No, no, no. He, he, he'll give us examples of people who had faith. And each one of them is going to give a testimony. Remember, um, by it the elders obtained a good report. This is their good report, so to speak. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, and by he being dead yet speaketh. What do we know about Cain and Abel? Let's visit here for a while. And by the way, we're not going to get through this chapter. It's going to take us probably three, by my recollection, at least three Sundays, and maybe four. Depends how loquacious I become. I'll try to maintain some terse, okay, and maybe even a little pithy with that, but not brusque, okay, definitely not brusque. Um, So um, Abel, okay, what do we know about Cain and Abel? We have Adam and Eve, okay, they sinned, they fell, they're out of the garden, they've lost paradise, they put, God put up a cherubim to guard their way back so they couldn't get to the garden and and grab hold of the tree of life and live in that fallen condition forever. And so in the course of time, it says Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived and they had this this boy, Cain, his name is. And King James says, um, I've begotten a child, uh, a man, even, uh, you know, it's, it's even by the Lord. And then you have the by the, in italics, she thinks she has the Redeemer. And by the time she has Abel, his name's Vanity. 
<laughs> By the time Cain's going through his terrible, terrible too, she's thinking, this is no God that I ever seen. So she's given up on that idea. She names her second son Abel. And Abel, you've got to understand something about Cain and Abel. It's more like there's no mutations in the gene code. There's, there's one family, okay? There's Adam and Eve, and Eve came out of Adam, came out of his side, okay, his rib, we say. But he, she was... The, 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 the genetics are the same. So they had a child, Cain. They had another child, Abel. And those two were probably more identical than any identical twins you've ever seen. Because there's, no, there's nothing in the gene pool yet that's the same two people had the same kids. You think like one of them had red hair and one of them, you know, was blonde hair, blue eyes? And by the way, were they Anglo? <laughs> probably not. We always, in the coloring books, we always make them Caucasian. What's that all about anyway, right? Um, so here they go. Now listen, I'll tell you something about Cain and Abel. Cain's friends, the ones he hung out with, they were a really bad crowd. It was the music that Cain was into. They had the same exact parents who taught him the same exact things. This is... This is helpful because you're wondering about your children okay listen we had a we had a man cub right and then we had another one and we were like how can two kids from the same two parents be so incredibly opposite in every way what's that all about how does that work genetically i don't think it works on a gene level i think it works on a a spiritual like a personality level you got a personality you're an individual i think that comes from the throne of God. I don't know that that has much to do with genetics, but I could be wrong about that, okay? I'm just thinking what I observed. Have you had three kids? Because then you're pulling your hair out. You think, I thought opposite only had two directions. They have a soul, and it's an individual. I think it's given by God. And, and I don't care what your individuality is like. It can come under obedience to God or rebel against God. And we have examples in the first generation of those who did exactly that. So their parents brought them up the same. We brought our, parents, our, our kids up the same too, right? And they were different. Like, you know, when we bought them clothes, like uh, the oldest one, like, you know, if you, if you get them something from like the Salvation Army, it was threadbare and it, you know, was uh, worn by some homeless guy for a million years and it was more holes than, pa- he would wear it and wouldn't. And the other one was kind of more, you know, would, you know, he wanted to pick out his stuff and he'd go right to the rack, the most expensive thing every time. That's what he wanted. Uh, but what we spent on him, we saved on the other one. It all worked out. I'm joking, by the way. Um, but you know, like we fed one and we beat the other, right? No. Uh, we taught one spiritual things and we didn't teach, no, no, no. We brought up our kids pretty much identical like you would. Do we play favorites? We wouldn't. Like most parents, we wouldn't do that. And they ended up in really different places. Well, how does that work? It works by choice. It works by faith and lack of faith. Now listen, so in the course of time, Cain and Abel offered to the Lord. And we know from the scriptural uh, testimony that Abel, who was a shepherd, bought a, 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 a sheep from the flock. We know that Cain, who was a farmer, brought up the fruit of the ground. And when the fruit of the ground just means what came out of the ground. Was it wheat? Was it fruit and vegetables? 
was that, and in a way, you know, Cain had to sweat more to get his. I mean, Abel, just look at him. He just grabs a lamb, takes it to the Lord. Okay, here we go. I mean, Cain, it was, his, his offering was more labor-intensive, wasn't it? Because God had already put a curse on the ground saying, you're going to get your bread from the sweat of your face. And we, us guys, who, and, and ladies too, who work for a living, we understand that. Is, is work easy? No. It takes a lot of time. It's generally pretty hard. And it's how we have to keep the wolves off our doorstep and pay all the bills by sweating and breaking our backs. We, we get that. We understand that. I bet Cain understood it. Now, Abel has hardness. and I mean, It's not easy being a shepherd either. So they both had their, but I think you can make an argument that there's, there's two things that we have to talk about when we're looking at the sacrifice. One, one was lab, labor intensive, one wasn't. One was what God required and one wasn't. You say, well, you know, you study in Leviticus and I've been paying attention and if you were poor and you couldn't afford an ox or even a lamb or even you couldn't even afford two turtle doves, you could give God an offering of, of grain, a wheat, a wheat offering, a meal offering it was called. And God made provision for that. Cain wasn't poor. He had as much as Abel had, ostensibly. And God had respect for Abel's sacrifice and didn't have respect for Cain's. And we're told that. Well, how, did, how do we know that? How did they know that? I have an idea, and this is totally... In addition to Scripture, we don't have a verse, but we see this all through Scripture, the fire falling from heaven, like at Mount Carmel. God's saying, yeah, that's my, like Manoah. You remember Samson's father, and, you know, they make the meal for the angel of the Lord, and he, you know, touches it with his staff, and it gets consumed, and he goes up with the offering. You know, there's this times when God, like Nadab and Abihu we were looking at, and the, you know, in Leviticus and the fire that came from the Lord and all that. I think that the fire of God came on Abel's sacrifice and consumed it and didn't on Cain's. That's what I think, but you, don't, you, can, you can disagree with that. But why did, and the Scripture doesn't tell us why God liked Abel's sacrifice and why God didn't like Cain's. It doesn't tell us. But I think, and most people would say, the problem is, is that Abel's sacrifice bleeds... Cain doesn't. Without the blood, there is no remission of sin. Look to the cross. Without the blood, there is no remission of sin. What Cain says, and Cain's a religious guy. He's a spiritual man. I'll do worship, but I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you require. I care what I'm going to do. And the fact that it's labor-intensive, I don't think is a good idea at all. Um, People all the time think that they're going to earn their salvation by doing good works and abstaining from bad works. And I think Cain and Abel will... Shake your head to the idea falls right out. Even first generation, <laughs> we understand that's not the way it is. Look at Cain's argument. Look at what I did for you, Lord. Look at all the things that I grew. God says, I won't have any of it. You remember the priest, they wore linen breeches and stuff like that. Why? So they wouldn't sweat. Work for the Lord is supposed to be no sweat. The idea is we're not earning anything. Um, put it another way, Abel, Cain offers the, uh, uh, the sacrifice of do. Abel offers the sacrifice of done. And this is the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions or all the other 
theologies, or however you want to call them. You ask anybody, how do you get to heaven? You ask a Jehovah's Witness, you ask a Mormon, you ask a, a Buddhist, a, or whatever their version of heaven or nirvana or the great cycle of whatever. How do you get better? How do you have better karma? How do you come back as a, a cow or a higher life form or whatever? And they'll say, well, you do, and this, and you don't do this. And they have different formulas. They all do. You talk to an American in the 21st century, if they believe in him, and say, how do you get there? And they'll say, well, you have to be a good person, and you have to, and they go, and they all believe in, in Cain theology. It's what you do and what you don't do. I mean, this is obvious. I don't think anyone can gainsay this. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? I was watching somebody. I don't know if I told you this, but the, I can't remember that guy's name. Oh, Ray Comfort. He's a Kiwi, and he has that funny down-under kind of accent. And he was with, um, what's his name from, yeah, you do. I was saying earlier, what's his name? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and he, they were talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, and he was saying, like, okay, how do you get to heaven? Well, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. I've just been stabbed to death. I've got two minutes. All my life's got Kirk Cameron. He was with Kirk Cameron, and uh, he was, because uh, they hang out together, and they were doing this, like, Man of the Street interview, and they're talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, how do you go to heaven? He, and the guy gives him this whole long list. He says, I just got stabbed. Two minutes, I'm going to die. Tell me, quick. Time's wasting. How do I get to heaven? Uh, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. I haven't done all that. I've lived a total reprobate life. I am totally, 100% deserving hell. Tell me what i got to do, quick. And the guy's like, you're going to hell. <laughs> it's like, and I'm thinking like, there's no thief on the cross in their religion. There's no, there's no belief. There's no, there's no, hey, if somebody has two minutes to live, you, can you, and they want to believe in Jesus Christ and they want to get saved. Can you lead them to the Lord? Two minutes? What are you going to do with the other minute and a half to spare? You got, it, it's easy. The gospel, believe in Jesus Christ, accept in your heart, call out to him for salvation, admit you're a sinner. Will he save you? Yes, 100% of the time. I mean, how long does that take? But with the, all the other religions of do, you've got to do more good than bad. And Abel's, and Cain, listen, Abel's sacrifice is still speaking to us. God testifying of his gifts by, by it, he being dead yet speaketh. Abel has something to say to us. He has, what he's saying is, listen, you sacrifice to God. It's the blood. It's not me. It's nothing that I did. And you know, we've been looking at Leviticus, right? You bring a, a lamb or an or a ox or whatever to the, to the priest. What does he do? He examines it. What does he not do? He does not examine the worshiper. Why? It's a foregone conclusion. We wouldn't pass muster. What do you think we're here for with this poor little lamb? Because I'm a bad person. Abel's saying, listen, I, it's nothing that I've done. Lord, you, this is what you want? The, the, uh, without the shedding of blood, it is impossible. Listen, it, they, this has already been established. God... You, you remember, uh, and by the way, if you weren't paying attention, Adam and Eve, what happened? They sinned. They knew they, they were naked. What did they do? They did religion, fig leaves, covering themselves. That's all it ever is uh, when people do religion. They just try to cover themselves before God. Does it work? If it worked, why did God say, why did God give them a coat of skins? How do you do that, by the way? He's all done creating. Ostensibly, an animal died. And I know in the coloring books you always see him with a leopard skin. Or I don't think it was a leopard. I think it was a, I think it was a lamb. You say they're dressed in wool. That'd be all itchy. Well, the leather part of the lamb, you know. Whatever happened, an animal had to die to cover them. 
They got the lesson. They passed it on to Cain and Abel. Abel got the message. He shows up in faith. Oh, is this your word, Lord? Is this what you desire? Well, this is what I'm going to do. What does Cain do? Well, I'm going to do religion, but I'm going to do it my way. And God says, no, thank you. Has God changed his mind about that? No. Listen, Abel's got something to teach us. We approach God. We approach a certain way on the blood, by basis of the blood. And that's what Abel's life teaches us. Now let's talk about Enoch. Enoch was translated, he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Okay, we approach God by faith in the blood atonement of Jesus Christ, and then what happens after that? We walk with God. It's called fellowship. It's a wonderful thing. Listen, God, this is, you might want to sit down. Oh, you're sitting down? You might want to hang on to your hat. You're not doing that. This is, this is marvelous. This is like one of those, God wants to hang out with you. He, he loves you. He thinks about you all the time. If, if, we, if we were talking about a human being, you'd call it an obsession. His thoughts of, of us are more than the sand by the seashore. That's a lot. And if I say obsession, you think, well, that's kind of a pejorative term. And it would be. God said that about himself. I love you. I love you. I think about you all the time. I love you. I want to hang out with you. I want to walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. You know, in the garden, we know that God came, hung out with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Scripture says that. Why? Was he lonely? God had the Trinity. God had love before mankind was even created. Why are we created? For thy pleasure we are and we're created, Scripture tells us. And uh, uh, I think it's a Revelation 4 or 5 there. Um, why did he create us? Because it pleased him to do so. Does he need you? No. Does he want to have fellowship with you? Oh, yeah. I would even say desperately so. How desperate? Because when you were on the outs with him, he sent Christ into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, behaves, no, believeth in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Why did God do that? There was a gap. And he wanted to bridge that gap. How did he do it? Well, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we know that. Scriptures told us earlier in this blessed book that we're studying now, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. It was a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we have fellowship with God. Apart from, from Jesus Christ, there is no fellowship with God. And Scripture says that only from the beginning to the end. Enoch, so obviously he's a believer, and he's walking with God. He's come the way of Abel, and he's having this intense relationship with God. They're just kind of hanging out together all the time. Do you do that? Do you live, we could call it Coram Deo, it's a Latin term, face of God. Do you, do you live like you're living in the face of God? You do live in the face of God. He's always aware of what's going on. You think like, oh, he's not looking right now, I can get away with some stuff. I can get away with some shenanigans, hijinks, and monkey shines. God's not paying attention right now. That's a ridiculous thought, isn't it? No, he know, he's, uh, I say obsessed, and I probably should come up with a better word. I can't come up with one. I'm not that bright. He's looking at us all the time. He loves you so much he couldn't not think of you. Are we going to get away with anything? No. Why don't we just live like we're living right under his nose? Because we are. And why don't we live like... What we do matters, because it does. 
And this is what Enoch tells us. Hey, just walk with God. Just, just like, you, you know, because very often uh, in the course of a day, probably this happens like only a million times. Well, a lot of times in the course of a day. I'm coming to a little crossroads of a thing, and I think, what, what should I do? Should I do what? And I think like, and I have a scripture, and I have knowledge of what God's like, and I think, no, I should do this because it's what God wants. And then I start the, that Philadelphia lawyer in me that's in you too. We start arguing, like trying to make my case. Well, you know, if you look at this just right, and this isn't quite as bad as if you... And then, because I... Why? Because I'm a sinner, and I want to sin. And the default button is set on sin. Unless we maintain this intense relationship with God, we're liable to just not and, and go our own way. And so faith is called on. Do I get to do things the way God wants me to do? Am I going to do what I want to do? See how practical it is every single day? Well, Enoch says, listen, I've walked my own way. We don't know what happened to Enoch. How long did he, when did he first start walking with God? What happened before all that? He said, I chose my way, I chose my way. It's been a disaster. I've been doing one stupid thing after another. It's hardly a mistake I haven't made. You know, I'm going to do things God's way. And so now he's walking with God. And this, hey, you believe in Jesus Christ? Say, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. How well has sin paid off? Because I know how Satan is. I mean, I know how Satan is. I know how he is in my life. Hey, check this out. This is going to work out really good for you. And it's going to, like, it never does. And it's just, he promises and he never delivers. When he lies, he speaks in his natu- na- natural tongue, Jesus says. He always lies. He always tells me things are going to, if I promote flesh and promote self, it's going to end up really good. Has it ever? Not once ever. And so why, don't, why do I keep believing like he's going to tell me the truth sometime? But scripture never lies to me. And by the way, nobody, nobody has lied to me as much as I've lied to me. Nobody's even in second place. I'm just telling you. I don't trust me. I trust what the Word of God says. And I want to have fellowship with the Lord. And it's great. It's ridiculously fun. And it's a benefit. And there's no downside to it, whatever. How do you do that, faith? Can you do it outside of faith? Oh, no. No. No, without faith it's impossible to please him, verse 6. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, don't bother showing up if you don't believe God exists, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. No cynical prayers, please. You've got to believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Enoch, Enoch believed that. So what happened? They're hanging out together on earth, and one day, God says, well, I'm having such a good time with you. Come on up here. And he was in heaven with the Lord eternally. He never died. He just kind of went up to heaven. Is that a picture of something? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a picture of the bride of Jesus Christ being in heaven with him without death. He's saying, well, wait a second, Enoch's just one person. Yes, yeah, so is the bride of Christ right? We're one body. So much so that Jesus, when he's talking to Paul in chapter 9, Paul's on the road to Damascus. Remember Jesus? Hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He wasn't persecuting Jesus. Oh, yeah, he was. He was persecuting his bride. Jesus takes that very, very personally. It's, that's persecution to me. My body, Jesus said, when, you, when you're dealing with my bride. And by the way, 
um, the question always is, pre, pre, mid, or post-trib, there's a worldwide flood coming. Next person we're going to talk about is Noah. Okay? Enoch, was he translated? Was he raptured? Pre, mid, or post-flood? <laughs> Pre-flood. Okay? Just, there's no, you can debate what you want about the church. Okay? You can throw all these verses in there that you want. But Enoch, it's settled in my thinking. He's definitely pre-flood raptured. There's no question about it. You say, yeah, but that was a flood. This isn't, this isn't tribulation. Well, it was a global catastrophe. It was God's judgment put out in the whole of mankind, like the end times, like the, like the great tribulation is going to be. So typologically it fits. Okay? And by the way, shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? Abraham says to God, you're not going to judge the wicked with the innocent, are you? You say, Adam, there is no innocent. No, that's, that's incorrect. Theologically, that's incorrect. Shake your head, the idea falls right out. You're innocent in Christ. You are pure as the driven snow. Come, let us reason together. Say, Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Is everyone okay? <laughs> you guys, you'd like... Try, more caffeine, okay? Just, I'm just. All right, all right. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, without faith, it's unlikely to please God, right? No, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, it's something that you can take home with you? Lots of things, I think. But look, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can I say it any other way? Can I stand on my head and say it? Can I say it backwards or in Cleon or something. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not unlikely, it's impossible. Where's faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God, I believe what you say. I don't believe my own lying mouth. I, I don't believe what I see. I believe what you say. And God says, I like that. I like that attitude. I like that about you. I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased when you show up with a, with a lamb rather than the fruit of your own labor. I, I, I'm pleased when you, when you worship at the altar of done, not the altar of do. I'm pleased with that. I like that. I, I, uh, I, I like the fact that you know how to um, worship. I like the fact that you hang out with me, that we walk together all the time. It pleases me. Now, by faith, let's talk about Noah. Faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet as seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. There's a lot here. One, Noah, you know what Noah means? You do. <laughs> uh, you remember uh, in chapter 5 when you have the names of all the patriarchs and it means... Uh, um, man is appointed mortal sorrow. The great God shall come down teaching his death shall bring the sorrowing comfort. Noah comfort. Remember that? The name means comfort. Okay? This is something to keep in the back of your mind. You say, what are you talking about chapter 5? Well, you've got to listen to my teaching on Genesis chapter 5. The, the patriarchs there. The names mean something in order. It preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Incredible. Uh, anyway, so uh, Noah... Okay, another, uh, what, what did he do? Well, he prepared an ark. Why? For the saving of his house. Hey, listen, is that important? 
Okay, faith looks like something. It looks like worship, approaching God the right way. It looks like fellowship with God. And what is the first thing that happens once you're saved? Well, I got to get my kids saved. Well, I got to get my wife saved. I got to get, that's, you're, you're worried about your, the, your house, aren't you? I was. So I'm the first in my, my household to get saved. I don't know, you can imagine Sue's is a sinner. Well, she's kind of a goody-two-shoes sinner, okay? I want you to understand. I want to throw her under the bus, and she was, she was a sinner, okay? I got saved first. What is the first thing I can concern myself with? <laughs> Guess. So I was writing her letters, and she'll tell you this. And I was like, hey, honey, I, you know, and in the, with a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm, probably not much good theology, because you know how it is at the beginning. And I was like, hey, you saved and stuff, and I want to know, because... So she went to her mom and she says, Mom, am I saved? And her mom gave a real sound advice, biblical, right through and through. Well, if you think you are, honey, I th- then I guess you are. What verse is that? What? Listen, her mom, godly woman, went on to be with the Lord. I don't know where and when, and, but her testimony over the years, I mean, I, I know her to be loving Jesus. And, but at that time, I thought, like, that wasn't great, so I'm kind of like, but I was really concerned. I was praying like I never prayed about anything. Why? Because I'm thinking, like, I'm going to go home. I was in Japan at the time. I got saved. I was in the Marine Corps. I'm going to go home to an unbelieving wife. <laughs> We're going to be, it's going to be Cain and Abel in the same household. It's going to be like two cats in a sack. Watch the fur fly. This is not going to be fun. And I was really concerned about that. And I was praying, 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 praying. I come back to Southern California, sent for her. And she's like, who's this God freak I married? And it didn't go very good for a couple of weeks, a week or a couple of weeks till she got saved. I'm, I was great concerned. Our boy Noah here is concerned so much so that he builds an ark. And it ends up in the salvation of his household. The actual salvation, the actual deliverance. And by the way, you're saying, well, he wasn't a believer. How come God didn't take him out of it before? I think he's a picture of Israel saved through. Because the time of Jacob's trouble, also the great tribulation, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble, is God going to restore Israel to faith? Oh, yeah. Um, read um, he, uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, 9, 10, and 11. Three whole chapters in the in the. The gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the book of Romans, what does is, what is salvation look like? Romans, okay? And he three, devotes three chapters to Israel. You better believe Israel's going to get saved because God has made some promises. If God's promises to Abraham don't materialize, what makes you think his promises to you are going to stand up? So, yeah, no, God's got a plan for Israel. And I think you know, that replacement theology, the church replaces theology, that's scripturally inept you you man you skip over a lot a lot of verses to come at that but that's a but that's for another time noah he he's warned of god of things not seen as yet because it is a not seen as yet it's a faith walk it's not a sight walk so god tells him this and he prepares an ark to the saving of his house does his house get saved literally by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness which is by faith now let's we're going to stop here. I was hoping to get to Abraham, but this is where we're going to end. Noah tells us something, that righteousness comes by 
faith. Believing, not behaving. From Genesis to Revelation, one book, one unfolding theme, Jesus Christ. Belief in him equals salvation. Trying to behave, I'm going to do more good than bad, equals damnation eternally. What, you're saying I should sin? No, I'm saying you already are a sinner. And the payment that you've racked up is only payable through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're trying to do that more good than bad, shake your head till that idea falls right out. It's not even worthy of being in your head. Scripture knows nothing of that. I know America in the 21st century knows that. Cain and Abel wrestled with that. It's an old, old, it's been around for a long time. Let me tell you how you become righteous. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He'll take your sin and give you his righteousness. Did he do that with you, Adam? Yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can remember the first time I heard the gospel and I understood it. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. He'll take my sin. I'm a wicked man. I am a wicked, depraved, sin-sick human individual. That's all right. He died for all that. My friend told me. Really? Yeah. He paid the penalty for all of it. He'll take that. He'll give you his righteousness. What a deal. Faith comes by belief. By Look at the righteousness, which is by faith. It says in Hebrews, it says it in every book in the Old Testament, every book in the New Testament. How could we miss such an obvious point? Are we going to celebrate the religion of do or the religion of done? Me? He's died for our sins. There's nothing we can add to that. And he said so. He said it is finished. Okay, uh, let's uh, stand and we'll pray. Uh, our worship leads will come up and send us out of here in song. Father, we thank you for so great a salvation. You've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You so loved the world, you gave it your only begotten Son. And we understand there is none righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we're going we're gonna to need faith. We're going to need it for this afternoon. We're going to need it later on this evening. Tomorrow morning when we wake up, we're going to need faith. Help us, Lord, to be in your word, to be gaining, that you speak to our hearts and would be growing in faith, that we'll come to you by faith and would walk with you by faith. And, Lord, it would make a difference in our household. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all.